Hello. Hi! How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Oh, boy! Fantastic. It's a great day, isn't it? It's a beautiful You just day. ruined our intro by opening a can. Oh, man. I. It's the first time I've done that. I wasn't even thinking. I'm, I'm so sorry. I never thought... I never thought about the disruption that it would cause. Last time you did it at the very end, and that was oh, on the line. Okay, I'm going to need you... Will you, will you step over here into my office? Can you, can you, just yeah, step okay, over here sorry. into my office. We need yeah. to... I, I've got a form here. Okay. I hate to have to do this to you. I'm sorry, but Mr. Simi. I'm so sorry. I have to write you up. This is this is a blatant <sighs> infraction. You, 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 are, you have derailed us so many times, and I've, I've let it go. I know. But this, this is a step too far. We're not I'm, even... A minute in, and you're derailing us. So, I'm, I'm I need you, I need so you to sign sorry. this. You can add whatever note you need at the bottom. Just sign can it. Can I? No- cool. Uh, I'm going to add a note here that the above is meant as a joke, and in fact, the opposite is true. And signed. There you go. Uh, unfortunately, that's not going to change the facts here. As I, I've printed out already. Uh, it's 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 just it's just poor taste. And I, I if you have if we have any more of these. We're gonna have to rethink you think your position here with us at RPGX Radio. So I get a raise. I get a. I'm gonna get your, a promotion. Your pay will yes, change. Yes, I'm getting a promotion. Your pay definitely will change if this happens again. I, I I'm just, looking forward to it. Okay. Well, I just I hope you're this not. This is great. You know what? I thought I thought it was for sure gonna be in trouble when you called me into your office, but man, oh, this is turning into be a, turning out to be just a great day. Thanks so much. Thanks so much. You know, I take back everything I've said about you. In fact, I'm even going to go into the bathroom and erase the, you know, don't even worry Wait, about it. It's all fine. You wrote, all fine. you're the one who wrote it's that? It's all fine. Hey, I'll see you I later. I've had HR on that for weeks. I'll see you at lunch. ridiculous every time i think yeah you we're certainly not getting any better or saner i don't even understand how we were more ridiculous than old-timey rich person last time <laughs> which was pretty nonsensical yeah yeah but somehow this is worse <laughs> i tell you what's worse i have a bit of a compulsive personality and there's an open bag of chips right next to me and i'm it is like grating on my nerves my skin is itching I was just, wondering if you were going I to keep just playing need with that. To reach over. I'm gonna move this out of my Gimme give, <laughs> give me one second. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna put this right over there. Yeah. Where I can't see it. I can't reach it. Everything's fine. Well, I as as you, you may have heard, I am Simmy. Are you? Owner, oh. operator, oh, oh <laughs> and this co-host of this everything. podcast. I'm sorry. Give me a moment. Give me a moment. I need to make Wait, a phone I guess call. Technically, I'm not the owner of it. I'm just the operator, the co-host, the designer, the audio editor. I'm everything but the owner of this podcast. Here, as always, with my degenerate co-host. Hi, it's me. I'm King Monkey. Yeah. He's some, I'm sometimes allowed in the office. One strike away from being fired, as you know. <laughs> Perennially. <laughs> Yes. I like to always, live on the edge. Always one step away from being fired. <laughs> but Living on I, the edge. Then, then I look at the applicant pool, see it completely empty, and <laughs> I'm stuck. <laughs> but Quite literally better than nothing. I find, I find one person, you are in trouble. Mm. So, I mean, 
write in if you're interested. And just don't tell him, but write in if you're interested. So far, no other interested applicants, but a surprising number of brake failures. Hmm. <laughs> Wait a minute. Was that you too? I don't know. Was it? <laughs> you don't need to go for a ride later, do you? <laughs> Come on, ride the train and ride it. I think, woo, woo. I, can, I think I can. I think I can. <laughs> I think we should. Anyway, yep, we should move on. Moving to, on. Um, random verbs, it's a verb of the week. Sounds right. Yep. I'm going to hit random on it's and see what it we come up with. Oh, I hate this one because it gives me choice. I've got, <laughs> uh, don't make me exercise choice. I'm an American. <laughs> I've, got, I've got 12 random choices and now oh, i got to pick one. Much. Yeah, I know. I Give me two choices. That's as much as I can handle. Do you have a, do you have a D12 close, Mike? <laughs> you know what? <laughs> I do. I've got a D12. Is there any more... <laughs> more RPG of a way to deal with things. <laughs> One. One. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, that, that was difficult. <laughs> oh, I saw a whole list. Uh, didn't know what to do. What you do? Went with the first one. Now is the complicated process? Yeah. We just spent 30 seconds deciding to use the very first one. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's, oh. that is definitely the RPG way. <laughs> it really is. So it your really random is. verb of the mm. week is concern. Concern. Oh boy, I concern myself with the ever-spiraling nature of this podcast. <laughs> you it's, might want to let that one go. <laughs> it's not spiraling upwards, is it's, all I'm going to say. We have nowhere to go but down. Wait, is that how, that's how that works, right? Well, a spiral rising upwards like a thermal, a majestic eagle soaring high on the rising winds of the sun-drenched plains below. Or, alternately, more appropriately... Toilet bowl. <laughs> Toilet bowl. <laughs> last yep, I saw last night's waste <laughs> just swirling ever downwards into the darkness below. That's and us. as always, we are right back to our number two topic. <sighs> yeah. Brought to you by It's a Verb. This was all It's a Verb's idea. And the words we've spoken were from It's a Verb's script. Any yep. concerns or complaints, please address to It's a Verb on RPGX uh, website. You can PM him on the site, rpgcrossing.com. And if you're listening to this and you don't know that already, I have a lot of questions. Please send me something so I can talk to you. Because send I me have a photograph. Questions. Look at this photograph! Apparently that's our bit this 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 month, is just, oh my God. just singing random songs. Yeah. <laughs> But we've it's been talking been, about it's world been building. a recurring bit, has it? Oh God! <laughs> we've it's been talking been... about. Dang it! Stop it! <laughs> Stop it! I'm trying to be professional <laughs> over here. You keep talking with shut your mouth. <laughs> you shut your mouth when you're talking to me. There we go. Now we're on track. We've been talking about world building uh, and world all building. the pieces that go into it. We talked started with the why and the how. And I won't recap all that. Mm. There's tools available. Yeah. La last time we talked about being intentional in your choices and stealing when you have to, mm -hmm. borrowing when you need to, and making wholesale when you've got when you have no other choice. Mm -hmm. And then we also talked about kind of where you get inspiration and mm. how sort of like I've been saying since the first day, and I will continue to say, 
you can start world building at any point along a world's creation. You can start with the idea of a very specific person and blow it up from there. You can start with a city. You can start with, oh, I want to make a world that's only islands, only small islands. Right. That's fine. You can start with, there was a world that A-dubs used, I think, mm-hmm. someone. And, and the whole thing was there was a curtain around the that, that divided the, hem, the the hemispheres. Okay. And you could not pass through the curtain. Nothing could. And that was the whole thing. Okay. So, like, people did stuff in one part. People did stuff in the other part. And they right. never could interact. But they could see each other through the curtain. Oh, okay. So you'd probably have entire industries or uh, academies dedicated to studying what they could from the other side. Maybe. Explorers trying to find their way around or over or under. All I remember is the curtain thing. Yeah. But so you can start. curtain, was it? No. No. It was a magic curtain. It was a magic one. A magic curtain. (laughs) The magic curtain. It was like a sham wow of curtains. (laughs) The sham wow (laughs) separated East from West Berlin. (laughs) I mean, heck, you could start your world building with the idea of what would a sham wow be in a fantasy setting? And that could be the whole. Beginning me, of things. I want to know what, what the Sham Wow guy is doing in Shadowrun. I want to know about <laughs> he's his. He's doing the exact same thing, except he just he's pops still up alive. In... <laughs> he keeps coming back or like reappearing, uh, uh, ageless. He, is, and... he has been uploaded wholesale into as an AI into the network, and he just now they flips make... into very people's various people's places and tries to sell them things. Either that, or they they've magically produced these clones that they download his consciousness into. Over time, so that oh. he can continue to expand his empire. That is that is horrible to think about. <laughs> we don't need that guy being propagated more than once. Oh my god! Let alone continuously from behind the scenes. Ugh. Every product in the Shamwow world, which I'm now realizing probably looks a lot like the Max Headroom universe. You know, he's behind all these different products that they sell, constantly, twenty four hours, direct into your your cortical implants. You know. Yep, that's exactly what it would be. I mean, they would have shopping networks beamed right into your head in Shadowrun, for sure. If it's not already codified in Shadowrun, which we wouldn't know because we're not going to read that crap. But the ShamWow guy, you know, if they just keep bringing him back, keeps bringing himself back or something, and then he would be the ultimate power in the economy, selling people tiny worthless shams or various kitchen gadgetry but now infused with magic and i don't know cyber stuff because that's that's actually my description of shadow run you know <laughs> magic and also cyber stuff because it all exists yeah there you go yeah yeah we're we are a very high-tech society with magic whatever yeah there are wizards i mean we have wizards today that's not that weird right Oh wait, the Sham Wow, the Sham Wow guy, for example. I mean, the way that stuff that cleaned up things—that was, was like magic. very wizard-like. It was magic in a in a rag. Stains disappear miraculously. It was ragic. Ragic. Rag magic. Simmy, it was going so well. That's a portomanto thing. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's a portomanto. Man- <laughs> it's a portable manatee, right? It's my part mandibles. Yeah. Our topic today is... <laughs> and we do have one. I promise you, we do have one. I mean, technically, 
that was actually a good example of what we're talking about today, which is generating... <laughs> Technically a good example. <laughs> it was <laughs> accidentally a perfect example. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, that's, man. That's almost like a, a subtitle for the podcast. RPGX Radio, RPGX Crossing Radio. Accidentally a perfect description. Accidentally on topic. <laughs> yeah, we sort of talk about role-playing games. <laughs> it's happened. Once or twice. <laughs> there are topics. They may not be the ones we say they are, though. Yeah, we we do write down, like, a rough outline of the things we're going to say. Sometimes we stick to that. I think the only time we actually stick to that is Adventure Assemble, and that's just because that's where we generate the things. Yeah, that's about it. <laughs> Otherwise, yeah, we definitely just, here's the ideas, let's talk until we cover most of them, and then we move on. So, let's move on. Yeah, so so we talked about the world stuff, and now we're kind of getting more granular with it. You know, if you want to generate cities or you want to generate a people, how do you go about doing that? And I'm a big fan of using random generators whenever you can. There is there is a website called fantasynamegenerators.com. Very easy to find, and it has generators for or links to generators if it's not on the site itself for Almost everything you can imagine. If you want, like I'm looking here, just in their latest editions, they have glacier names. They have glacier. Up, they've updated their golem names. They have a Mistborn name generator, which a Mistborn is a book series. If you don't know, okay. They have more WoW NPC generators. They have Winter Town names, Void names, and these are just the ones they've recently updated or added. Okay. There are so many. You have fantasy, real, place, other names, which can be guilds, drugs, post-apocalyptic societies. Like, mm -hmm. I'm telling you, pop culture, description generators, other generators that are on or off the site. Like, if you want to generate something randomly, this is the place to come to, If it's as long as it's not a map. And I'm pretty sure they actually have a map generator on okay. here. I just don't like it. But oh, okay. map, but like names for things easy place to go. And I think it generates like 10 at a time and there's a usually a variety to them. Like I was looking up elf names the other day. Right. And I was having I was having trouble coming up with one. I none of them were clicking, but you get some like regular elf names. And then sometimes on these name generators you'll get like a name with a title in it, so you'll get like Eric the Red, things mm -hmm. like that, you know. Obviously, they wouldn't generate something like that because it's already exists. But yeah. what's nice about it is when you're looking at like an elf name generator, you get male, neutral, or female names you can generate. If you go to something like, uh, you can look, when you generate real names, you generate them based on like the type, the place it's from. So like you can get okay. coral reef names, or you can get, you can get like hillbilly names, Hindi names, okay. Celtic names, all three versions of Celtic. No, wait, Hill four, hillbilly, five, six. Hillbilly, Hindi, Celtic names? <laughs> You can get Celtic of Britain, Gaul, Irish, Manx, Scottish, or Welsh. So, like, a ton Pretty. of names you can pull. For, like, And this is, yeah. it's a massive list. So if you need, like, a people name, or you want a specific person, or you need a city, a place, you can come here for inspiration. And that's usually what I use it for. I don't, I rarely use the name that comes up exactly as it is. Yeah, and that's, yeah. that's what I ended up doing. The other day, I used that generator. I talked with Zether and Athera. And mm -hmm. then Athera had a generator that she uses that translates to something. 
And through all those pieces, I kind of cobbled it together because, okay. I mean, that's what a DM does. They find yeah, things, yeah. they steal it, and they put it to use. That's pretty much it. And also, the other day we were talking about how some you will get more and better ideas once you start bouncing your ideas off of other people as well. Always. Even if, even if you don't take anything someone else says and use it, just the act of telling someone else forces your brain to review what you've said in a different way. Mm-hmm. So it's a very useful tool for any creative process. So random generators are a great place. If you're building a city around a theme, like I talked about my water city or my tree city, or right. I have a mountain city, like that informs sort of how you build it. If you want to break with what it seems natural with that, like the, the mountain city, it's a mountain that's completely hollowed out. Well, you can't just hollow a mountain out. So there have to be supports in there. They have to leave mm-hmm. a certain amount of it to stay up. So you want to... The process of picking a place can actually help you world build more because did they do it by magic? Are they doing it by mechanics? Like, what is this? It tells you something about this society. How long did it take? Did Were, were there any uh, accidents that happened during the making of it? Uh, Definitely. Like any cave-ins that, that were massive or, yeah, and then for if you- sure. If you want a if you want like a, a race or a people that normally live on the surface or that need sunlight to live in this city that's in a mountain, how, how do does that do change them? How do they make that work? Or is there a place where they get artificial sunlight? Is the top of the mountain open? Are there mirrors, magic yeah, what, portals, uh, telescreens of UV lights? It's, it's this is my favorite part of world building when you get into some something specific because it leads you down a rabbit hole almost always. Yeah, and it can inform the culture that you created in ways that you didn't know about. And this is where I, I've been talking about it since the beginning. But this is where you have to not be very too precious with anything that you come up with. You may have a great idea at the beginning. You get into the building and you're like, oh wait. If this is like this, then maybe that first thing I made should be like this. But I've already – I've really fleshed that all out. You, If you have a good idea to connect things and make your world more contiguous, and that's something you want your world to have, like it, they all kind of interact with each other, go back. Change things. Don't be yeah. afraid to rework a thing or ask someone to help you. How can I use this concept and reshape it so it connects this way? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Really what's going to happen is if you are willing to go back and change or review your ideas, you are opening yourself up to being surprised at your own creation. You will come up with things that you didn't know you were capable of putting together. Mm-hmm. It's it's a very positive experience for sure. My my Silence Divine campaign, the, the Water City, has been through about five different versions. And the most recent version I didn't do until the night before they were going to the city because I had a new idea. I've been running, I've been running my reign of winter campaign. And I'm like, I don't like this encounter that's coming up. I want to change it in this way. It's very elemental theme, but they don't have a, a, a lackey that helps them in this elemental way. So I went looking, I found a, a good way to incorporate it. I'm like, wait, this would be really cool if I apply it this way. And because of that, that changes, that changes, how much land is available because now I'm injecting a ton of water people into my water city. Whereas originally it was sort of more, they've created a harbor of water to save it from the end of the world and as much life as they could, but they weren't really living in the water. And I went from that to, 
oh no, these are tiny bits of land. They basically live on boats most of the time, and there are a ton of aquatic and plant races that fill in these gaps. That's cool. Yeah, and, and you, but basically you started with one idea, ended up with something that you didn't anticipate. That's yes. even even better than what you initially had. I, I ended up, once I had finished this the last version of this idea, I was like, this is it. This is exactly what I wanted from this city. The other thing is, if you're willing to go back and revisit your ideas and challenge them and come up with something new and then ultimately discard that new idea, you will, it's kind of like you've ruled out other possibilities and sort of re, re, it reaffirms your idea that the first thing does stand on its own. Like it does, mm-hmm. it, it, it's not, maybe not airtight, but you know, you've, you have created something solid. And by thinking, maybe if you tweak this, maybe you tweak that. No? Okay, then it, it is actually good the way it is. Yes, yeah, so think of it, it's a lot like writing a novel in itself in that, your first pass is generally going to change. Your first pass isn't the final pass. You may have gems and things that are definitely sticking around, but right. the context that it's presented in or the way you come to that conclusion or any of these kind of things around it can change or even just the way you present it. And I think it's very important to not – and I said it already, but I'll say it again because I think it's super important to not be too precious with any idea you come up with. But I came up with this idea for the priests of the of the obsidian spikes, and they're just so good the way they are. I can't change them, even though they don't fit in with the world around them. Yeah, I think I think this is this goes back to our role play advice, where I said, you know, don't say, oh, this is just the way the world is. Don't just say, oh, this is what my character would do. Find a way to say yes. Find a way to say I'm going to try this because, like King Monkey said, if even if you try it. And decide, eh, it's not for me. You have made your world just that much better by exploring other options and realizing why it works the way it is. Rather than this other way, which you originally thought was cool, but it's not working for what you want. Yeah, it just solidifies the ideas, I guess. And I would say this goes on every level. Like, this isn't just, oh, okay, this is a human-centric world, and then you're like, oh, no, wait, but I want, I want elves to actually be as populous as humans, and I want them to be at war. This also goes to the terrain. If you've built the actual world and say, okay, well, they're on this massive continent, and you just run out of room, or you're like, well, but I need more space here. Take You, you are the ultimate creator. Break the continent up. Move things around. Reshape things. Put a mountain range between someone. It, like, do whatever you need to. Yeah, it's, the, the limit is only your imagination. Yeah, you're not you're not beholden to anything. Basically, until something is experienced by players, and at that point, you're not only beholden to it so far as you can figure out a way to change it within the context of the world. So, if you have deities, then yeah, you can have a deific intervention and change the way things are. That changes your story, but we're not talking about story. Right. You just have to keep be aware of what your tools are in that case once things interact. Because yeah, world, your world is basically in a quantum state of flux until it's experienced by a player. That's a that's a way of thinking of it, right? Sure. 
makes a, a degree of sense. You, yeah. you, your players experience it. It collapses the wave function. <laughs> yeah, your players <laughs> get involved, and the setting collapses. Yeah, that, there it you works go. on every level. That, that sounds distressingly <laughs> accurate. <laughs> but you mentioned deities. Yes. I would kind of step back from uh, singling out deities. Uh, you, we're going to talk about the roles of deities. Um, I think it would be more accurate to look at the roles of the elements which supply the mechanics. So if you're dealing with a science fiction uh, world where you don't, maybe you don't have deities in uh, the traditional fantasy sense, you know, to fuel clerics, but you may have a technology like cyberspace or, um, you know, artificial reality or uh, the ability to project your consciousness into a computer. Um, they're not deities in a traditional sense, but they are the elements which fuel the mechanics of your game. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, whether it's a god or a computer or an alien race or something like that, it's it's important to figure out what is the role of those things in your world. Let's say you're talking about deities. Whether you have a Dungeons & Dragons type world, where gods often exist in no uncertain terms they exist they are actual palpable things at times or are they deities like in our world where there is no clear sign of divine intervention on earth yeah there's no testable way of showing they are for sure here in this and form. yet their influence is still felt through the churches and the adherence of those churches right the people that believe they have something in them that tells them they are correct. And we can't question that because we can't see it. So we only have their word on it. Whereas in like a fantasy setting that you play an RPG and tends to have deities that can come down and walk among you and say, hey, I am the god. Look, I'm going to create stuff. Yeah, but I mean, whether those gods are real or not, nonetheless, it's going to influence the actions of the, of the people who follow them. Definitely. Um, so, you know, if you're dealing with uh, the singularity to step it back to from being fantasy specific where you've got the singularity is approaching the level of technology where human consciousness can be actually uploaded not just copied into a computer then how does that impact the world around do you have people who become almost fanatic uh followers of this technology where they want everyone and indeed need everyone to upload their consciousness to create a new human paradigm? Uh, or do you have people who react the opposite, where they have a crusade against uh, uploads, you know? Yeah. It, it bears thinking on whenever you put anything in, like if magic exists, mm -hmm. if, if technology exists, like what what is the source of that? Where does it come from? What are the cultural effects of it? How do people access it? And yeah, what do people think about it? If everyone has it, yeah. how how is that perception different than if maybe, you know, this culture doesn't have it? Why do they not have it? Is it just a location thing? Is it they don't like it? Is it they think it's evil? You know, like it bears thinking of if you're going to put something in a place and not in another place, why? And yeah. this is that rabbit hole that I was talking about. Anything you make should send you rippling out through the world thinking okay how does that being here affect this i'm doing a um, uh, a real life game uh, these days over discord um 
D and D where the characters are, have basically a uh, a mansion that can move itself throughout space, throughout uh, reality, different dimensions, and that sort of thing. Uh, so it's kind of a it's kind of fun for me because each time they stop in a new place, I have to world build a different, a totally different realm for them. So at one point we've got, um, she they're dealing with a mummy queen who's from a reality where only the only the 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 upper class and the royals could be priests. So mm-hmm. you couldn't have poor clerics. You could have religious people, and maybe some of those religious people might even have access to the magic, but they would have to keep it on the down low because only the ultra-rich were allowed to officially be clerics. Mm. You know? So you haven't, you, you have not implemented any mechanical restriction on the player. Wait, what system of government do they have? <laughs> uh, it's uh, basically a pharaonic system where they have Stop a it. No, divinely I was chosen it was a joke. king. Leave it alone. No, I didn't mean it. But the mummy queen, she was a uh, she was a member of the the upper caste. She was a priest uh, priestess of life, and she was actually betrothed to the king, so that they could have an heir. It was like a political affiliation, not a marriage for love or anything. But yeah. then, when she died, she was sorry, she was assassinated, and then died as a result of the assassination. Okay, I thought um, you were saying she was assassinated. It didn't take, and then yeah. she died. <laughs> no, but she uh, she ended up dying. But. Um, it's a failed assassination. Um, but she was pregnant, and when she was basically in the afterworld, her adherents in the church were trying to uh, ask uh, that she be resurrected. But you know, because of the rules of the upper class families, they don't allow for resurrections because then that inf- that interferes with other people's political machinations. So she was actually condemned to stay in the underworld, oh. and then she got pissed off and started creating her own powers and uh, contacting darker forces and basically brought herself back as a mummy. Ugh, rough afterlife, brah. Yeah, and she sort of turned her her disciples in the church into her followers. Because she was pregnant at the time, she felt this righteous need for retribution on the, those who killed her. She was genuinely innocent. You know, she wasn't a nice person, but she was innocent. Yeah, I think you've talked about this before, haven't you? Yeah, probably. But it's... it's it, it's a lot of fun to come up with this sort of thing, too, you know? Oh, yeah. Especially because, I mean, one, in, in my Silence Divine campaign, one of the things I, I decided right off the bat was resources are very limited. And so that's why each city has its sort of its main resource. And that's why mm-hmm. this guild was formed to travel between cities. And it's super dangerous, but they're paid well by moving between cities and moving these resources around. And so then all of a sudden I'm like, oh, wait, but then how do they pay for things? Because, like, not every place has metal. So what do they right. replace it with? And I, I was like, oh, well, then I just use this. But that creates a problem because now that's very easy to create. So oh, how, yeah, yeah. how do we keep from forging it? What is the incentive Controls to keep going? Economy. Yeah. So it, it just set me down the spiral of how do I regulate crap. currency? Yeah. Oh, my God. Government's hard. <laughs> Yeah, who would have known? So in the end, all my characters just use Bitcoin. (laughs) Actual government. I'm not talking like, you know, today's government, the people in government. Actual government is hard. The actual act of governing. Yeah. If you actually do the job as you're supposed to, it's not easy. So hard. (laughs) I don't want (laughs) to. And it actually created some fun because Mm -hmm. my, my players transitioned from 
an illusory world into the real world. And they had all the stuff they'd gotten in the illusory world, but what they had as three denominations of coins were all the same kind of coin in the real world. Okay. And so they're like, well, that sucks. I had I had converted most of it to gold, and I only had a few silver and copper. If I'd had it all in copper, I'd have a lot more than I had. I'm like, yeah, sorry. <laughs> there you go. Just it's just the way it is. Butadum, butadum, butadum. Yeah. Some things will never change. Butadum, butadum, butadum. I'm with you. I understand. <laughs> but yes, in in short and in long, as I'm, I don't even know how long we've been talking. It's one of our shorter ones so far. Yeah. <laughs> but basically, it all boils down to, you know, try things, follow them out. Don't don't make something in a vacuum. Like, I want a city. Yeah. And even if you build that city in excruciating detail, you have to think about how that city affects the world around it and mm-hmm. how other people in the world. And unless that city is the only thing in the world and it's Fair situated enough, on yeah. a flat, empty plane. Or I mean, in- even even that. By itself. Or if it's a, or if it's a, a derelict, massive spaceship drifting through space yeah. with nothing around it, like you still have to think, okay, why is it out here? Yeah, because that'll inform what information is available on the ship, and you can be like, oh, all the files are corrupted. Well, but some stuff is still going to be accessible, so you give them some of that. You you have to think beyond the one thing that excites you, and if the act of doing that doesn't excite you. It's probably not a good process for you to be involved in. Yeah, maybe, huh? <laughs> at um, least, at least in a in a big picture type way. Like, if you're just adding something to an already built setting, that's fine. You have to think about why it's there and why other people are interacting with it differently. How that changes things. But it's yeah. not as big a deal as if you're building everything wholesale. But you do have to follow those chains of cause and effect. Yeah, it's more more often than not. I find it's fun to explore those those topics too. Oh yeah, I I find it awesome to think about in the old version of awesome, not like a hot dog. And if you hot, get that hot dogs joke, are awesome. <laughs> no, there's a there's a there's a comedian. I won't name him because he's not really RPG crossing appropriate. Sure. If you know about him, you know about him. But he is he has this whole bit about. How awesome has been used and overused and oversaturated. And they're like, you know, oh, the first spaceship mm. launch was awesome. But now you've got like Dave's awesome hot dogs. And so his whole bit is, it's awesome. What? Like a hot dog? <laughs> and it's great. It's, it's, it's great. If you know, you know. If you don't, you probably have no interest in it. There you go. Anything else you want to talk about when it comes to the people and places you make when it, in building? I I think I mentioned it last time briefly. The the potential pitfall coming up with a bad guy. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have an antagonist or one evil country, you know, mm-hmm. if you've got your your I don't know evil orcs or your Russians or whatever alien race where they're monolithically evil and their country is necessarily the bad guy, that's kind of a a lazy trope. You can, by all means, have countries or cultures or groups that are opposed to what your your world has decided is good, but I would caution against building your world around one, one ultimate bad guy, you know? Yeah. 
Definitely. Because then you run the risk of, like I mentioned before, what happens when Sauron's gone? What's left in your world to do? It's not a video game where it's it's over at that point, you know? They, if you're going to have the evil country or the evil people be all that's in your world, you're, you're going to... The, the game will fail either when the players can't overcome it or when they do overcome it. Right. If, if you have an evil central, then they have to have allies. People that may be on the fence but aligned with them. And that creates something that once the, the big evil's gone... They are, where, which side do they fall on? Do they continue their ways and, and take more of the profit? Or are they swayed? Do you have to reach out to them? And yeah. I, I think when you're, when you're initially world building and you're not making a campaign with it, you want to focus on events and yeah, the timeline the, that it happens on. The events that a culture experiences will sort of shape its outlook. Yeah. You know, if, if you're coming from a, re- a region that's been prosperous forever and never had to worry about hardship your people are going to be fundamentally different than people who are living in the wastelands who have had to scavenge uh, scavenge every day just to survive your cultures are going to be you know they're not going to mesh right and and if you if you have let's say an evil country that is your main evil then maybe people don't know they're your main evil and the event that is on the horizon is they are preparing to unleash war upon the world and try and conquer everybody. So that's different than having your main people be the only bad guy because to launch a war on the world, again, they have to have allies. They have to have planning. There has to be, there has to be a lot going into it. It's like, it's like the death star. Like, yeah, it, when it, when it came up, it was a huge deal, but a lot went into that creation and the empire before it. And even when the empire collapsed, you had splinter groups that were trying to pick up the pieces here or that were taking advantage of the power gap. So you have think of it, do at least as much thought as they've done in the new star Wars movies, which I mean, there's not much planning and thought in there and you'll probably be all right. Yeah. And I don't care if that's a a controversial stance. I'll, I'll take it. Because they didn't do a good job on those that trilogy. But I mean, the other thing is you'll find uh, simple tropes that get used are having the undead lands or the undead faction, where mm-hmm. it's just like they are by default the evil or antithetical creatures for living entities, and therefore you've got the the one big bad that you can kill with impunity and not have to worry about any kind of moral conundrums. Mm-hmm. Um, it's okay to have those. But it, it really shouldn't be all about those. Yeah. And I it would cha- I would challenge you, if you find yourself using a lot of common tropes, take a couple of them and flip them on, and, and do them in reverse. So if you have an undead land, maybe it's not an evil place. Maybe people think it's an evil place. But when you actually get there, it's actually a refuge for intelligent undead who are tired of being slaughtered and, wait- and used. And so they've grouped together to protect themselves. Or maybe they've got a religion of their own where they're trying to ascend to a kind of afterlife to save yeah. themselves from... Un- I mean, tropes Tropes are fine. We have tropes because these are things that we like to see recurring in games or in stories. But the problem is just when they get reused and reused to the point where it's like, oh, that's, you know... Yeah. yeah. If, if your journey is not interesting and your trope isn't interesting, what you end up with is a boring experience. 
Like, just imagine imagine you're talking about creating a D&D game or something, a Pathfinder game with your friends, and you tell them, yeah, you're going to be fighting, uh, going into the, the lands of the undead. They might be like, oh, okay. And your characters are the chosen ones from the prophecy. Uh, okay. And you've got a plucky sidekick who's going to go along with you. Uh, okay. His whole you thing... See, what was his name from the the D and D movie? Oh, snails! Snails! <laughs> You've got your own Wayans brother with you. <laughs> like each one of these things individually is fine in the context of a larger story, but when your story leans so heavily on these tropes, it can get tiresome unless you are going to start subverting or otherwise playing with those tropes. Definitely, definitely, and and interestingly enough. Uh, Starfinder, which is in the same universe as Pathfinder, it's just in the future, right. and you know they've kind of moved on to other worlds and stuff. There is a there's an entire society of intelligent undead, and you have to either be fabulously rich or work your way up through the ranks to earn the right to be turned into an undead. Okay, so they took undead as yeah. a thing and was like, okay, but there some of these are intelligent. Let's fast forward. Mm-hmm. They get access to stuff. They create their own society. And it's it's a really yeah. cool thing. And I think I could be wrong, but I think they are a neutral society. I don't think they're evil. I could be wrong. Well, I mean, if you want to look at the idea of good and evil in role-playing games in the be- in, just to begin with is a, f- a weird and flawed kind of perspective. Oh, yeah. Well, and that's the, oh that I'm glad I'm glad we got there because th- that was something I actually I wanted to cover that I I'd forgotten yeah. in in the conversation about the person who didn't understand setting stuff, sure. a mistake that I saw them making regularly, and it's 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 just mm-hmm. a it's conflating real life with fantasy worlds. Okay, if you want to use a fantasy world where good and evil are essentially measurable things that people can actually look at and say, this person's evil, this person's mm-hmm. good. I can detect those things. You can't yeah. you can't apply real-world stuff to it. Because if someone is good, that is a defining feature. That is, a, sure. that is a driving feature of who they are. And it's literally measurable in the world. Whereas in our world, you could have not, someone who yeah. seems to be good, but they aren't. I mean, people well, yeah, have it all like- the time. What if I become uh, a pediatrician and my goal is to uh, help cure children who have uh, diseases that prevent them from walking and I do it because I want to be famous and because I want money, because I want recognition? Mm-hmm. Does that make me a good or evil person? Yeah. And, and my motivation may not be pleasant, but the end result is helping children to walk. Yeah. So, so I just wanted to I just wanted to put that caution out there mm-hmm. that when you start thinking of these things, the real world has to kind of be set aside to a certain extent. Yeah, you yeah. want to think about you know you want to think about things like the economy and feeding people, but don't yeah. get so hung up on some of that that you start getting real granular. If you start finding yourself being like, okay, but why wouldn't they make mm-hmm. this? It, it's sort of like the deity discussion we were having, where you know, hey gods actually exist why would anyone not believe in them well there's a lot of reasons that that that's, that could be the case or why wouldn't everyone believe in every god if they believe in one well because that's the one that 
their stories say is their god. Or I would imagine the gods are also demanding a certain kind of lifestyle from their followers that may not be what you're suited for. Or yeah. the gods in these worlds tend to be fallible to some degree. So perhaps like a Greek god, one of them wronged you and you've turned your back on them. You use the real world as inspiration, but don't use it as a measuring stick. No, no. That would be a pretty boring game. Definitely. And understand also that if you try and apply too much real world to a game, you're going to bog it down in too much granularity. And that's going to be boring for most people. Yeah, yeah. At that point, go play a sim because you can control all that stuff. I would I would say, from my, my advice, if you're creating... Uh, if you're intending to create an op- opponent faction, I really don't like the idea of evil country. I think that's kind of, it's shallow. You know what I mean? It doesn't, mm-hmm. it doesn't, I'm not looking for you to apply real world politics to a, to a fantasy country, but I would caution against having, this is the entire country of baby eaters. You know, maybe they just yeah. have some people who enjoy the odd baby and the other people are like i really wish you would you know like if you have orcs uh from traditional D &D, orcs were chaotic evil they existed just to be cut down nowadays they are just another culture and it's like that sort of thing i i I like approaching these countries a little bit more realistically but i also don't want to bog it down to uh to absolute real world values yeah don't don't give them don't I would say definitely don't go with an evil country for the sake of being evil. Or monolithic countries. Like, they can't also be all good. Like Right. If if they are known as an evil country, you got to understand why. And it can't just be, well, but they're evil. Because that's, I mean, that's, like King yeah. Monkey said, that's boring. Or they're, they're good. That's boring. Unless you are on a plane that is all good or all evil... It's boring. If you're in a, a world where all variety of people exist, why is this country evil? What is their goal that's making them make these choices? Or who is the one that's calling them evil? And then what is that person like? Right. You I know? mean, because there, there are people that think America's evil. And mm-hmm. Americans don't think that. And sure. there are people who don't think Americans are evil. So there's a, there's a good real-world example to take inspiration from. It's mm-hmm. not that the country is evil. It's that people are viewing their choices and their decisions in various lights, because everyone's different. Yeah, and all this is going to set aside the fact that we as a culture evaluate things through the lens of now. You know, mm-hmm. If you look at 100 years ago or 200 years ago or 1,000 years ago, people had, in some cases, radically different moral views of what good and evil were. Now we're applying it to a fantasy world, so it's you can sort of be a little bit more liberal, but... Typically, you're going to call people evil when they are your enemy. And why are they your enemy? More often than not, boils down to people in power just bickering with each other, you know? Yeah. And then they propagandize the enemy, right? And I'll even turn, you can. You should use, you know, videos and books and everything for inspiration. Because there's, you talk about people propagandizing and everything. And I think of the Black Mirror episode where... They're they're after these monsters and they're, they're so sh- they see them as monsters and they have daily vitamin injections and I mean anyone who's seen enough of these stories knows there's something going on there because anytime there's a regular injection you have to take and people yeah. freak out if they think you haven't that's a thing yeah and as soon as this stuff wears off someone gets captured and kept away for too long these people that they saw as monsters 
change and start to look like people. And it turns out to be uh, your controlling organization was evil and they were sending you out brainwashed because mm-hmm. that makes it easy to kill people if you see them as yeah. the enemy or as a monster. And so use that as inspiration. If everyone sees this place as evil, maybe they're not. Maybe someone is working behind the scenes mm-hmm. and poisoning their minds. Maybe they've been misrepresented and their reactions have been used as propaganda. Yeah, I mean, yeah. There's, there's so many ways to take the idea, flip it on its head, and do it without doing the trope in a tired way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the uh, the song Anatomy of Your Enemy by, uh, is it Anti-Flag? Yeah, I think it's by Anti-Flag. They have a song called Anatomy of an Enemy. It basically goes into that. Uh, how do you How do you turn public opinion against a group? Um, now, of course, not everyone wants to run you know, sort of uh, politically motivated games. Maybe you do want a hack and slash game, and that's all fine. Like it, it's all good, but it is good to have. It's good to have a realistic, or not a realistic, but a solid uh, motivation behind the actions of the groups. Yeah, a so grounding you know, that people can understand. Like if you have this is the evil army, and they're evil because they want to expand into our lands. Um, sure. But that does that mean that they're also going to be burning people alive and chopping them up into little bits? Are they are they going to start summoning the undead, or do they literally just want to take over and then they'll use you as you become their people? You know, like uh, Romans, the Romans would slaughter the the, the 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 Gallic armies, but they didn't want to kill all the villagers. They want to conquer them. You know, they basically become Roman citizens. Definitely. So what is the nature of the evil that your antagonist is presenting? And what are the rules of that evil? Yeah. Yeah. I agree with all of that. You got to You got to definitely think about it. And this is like, I'll say it for the last time and then we'll move on. You want to think about, (laughs) you want to think about the ramifications of whatever decision, whatever thing you inject into your setting. Don't just think about, oh, this is a neat thing. Think about why it's there. Think about what impact it has on the things around it. Think about how people would view it or how other places might react to this this inclusion in the world. Because those things will tell you more about your world or about the people than just, I've made a city of, you know, half human, half elves. They all live in harmony. The center is a district that's the slums. That's all just half elves. And it's the places where these forbidden loves, yeah, because, you know, you got a West Side Story kind of thing going on. Sure. But that, in isolation, is boring and sad and tried and overdone and done and done and done again. Mm -hmm. If you imagine how it came to be that way, you suddenly have a story to tell and that your players can then look at and interact with. They come upon the city and they're like, well, that's that's weird. You know, I've heard about this city. I heard it was a, a... bastion of peace between elves and humans and they're normally at Mm -hmm. war but you get in here and it's oh it's definitely not that at all and so yeah yeah, you you you've got to you've got to you you've got to look at the ripples what you inject make every time yeah for sure anything else you want to cover on this uh to be honest i could probably talk for hours on end so oh yeah we'll uh, just we'll just end up (laughs) circling around and around i just i didn't know if there's anything new that we'd miss i figured we'd about covered it more than we should have. I actually thought this was going to be a short one at first, but we yeah, started talking sometimes, eh? as yeah. we do, mm-hmm. and it just spiraled out of control. But with that out of the way, it's time for Adventure Assemble! 
assemble the adventure if you dare. And I will meet the challenge with my fist. <laughs> Little Vincent Price-esque there, huh? I don't know. I'm thinking maybe that was the, the Aquoger. The Aquoger. <laughs> I don't know. Well, it's we've something. had some stuff happening. We've had stuff. There was the, the shallow lake that has suddenly drained, leaving a perfectly round hole in the ground that travels deep down and is spotted with these purposely crafted sewer-like structures now inhabited by the aquatic ogres or aquogers. Who are probably very concerned that the water levels just suddenly shifted. Like, there's still water in the sewers, but, you know, there was this huge rushing that probably disrupted their... Their peaceful aquatic ogre, ogre lives. Yeah, and maybe maybe the water is kind of pouring through these sewer structures still, but it's not mm. enough. It's not filling for some reason. It's just it's keeping a a, a minimum stasis for them, and so okay. that's sort of how the conversation between the evil elves. We just did all that talk about don't make a certain thing evil, <laughs> but we have a reason for why these people are evil. They're collecting stuff, and they've got machinations that we don't know about yet. And it's at least a faction within the elves, a faction apparently in power. We don't know what the status right. of the whole Not every about. type of elf is evil. These elves that we keep running into, these are a faction that... And we've said they have a appearance yeah. of good to most people. Mm-hmm. And who knows, maybe their evil actions are done with some kind of positive intention, but an end justify the means motive. Uh, maybe they know something is coming and they're trying to gather all the tools they can... Maybe. And there's just not time to get a consent or explain things to people. They have to do things a certain way. Maybe. But they are trying to engage in diplomacy with the Aquogers. And that is a problem because other people have come to check it out. Specifically, this religious group. Mm-hmm. They've sent a couple pilgrims or priests to check it out. And yeah, like paladins. We have... It's like a knight's a Templar kind of thing. Right. And and we, the party, have come upon one that's been knocked out, who was the person that originally said, hey, this is an important thing we should be checking out. And we're going to talk with him. He's part of this holy organization, checking out the area. And the elves weren't happy with that, because that's their thing. What was, her, what was the... Casido was the guy. Casido, yep. Casido. And right. the elves have killed any other priests that have shown up. Casido was just knocked out. Maybe he played dead. Maybe he's bleeding out when we find him. All we know really is he's unconscious at this point. Mm-hmm. And a random twist. All right. You got a D10 nearby? I can conjure one. Boop. Beep. Ten. Ten. Man, first one and then the last one. Natural ten. Boring episode. <laughs> you win. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> It turns out that everything that is happening is a misinterpretation of something else. This is revealed after a careful medical study. That's when everything becomes stranger. So the unconscious, the unconscious knight that we have come to see, we find out what? The the elves weren't the ones who knocked him out. Maybe it was something to do with uh, the area or the water. But it wasn't signs of violence. They, in fact, found him like that. And they're trying to figure out as well what happened to him. Okay, so we what we know we have, we have the elves who are going to attack. Mm-hmm. We have the aquatic ogres who are in residence in this 
hole with the sewer system. Mm-hmm. We have an unconscious knight priest dude. And we have a misinterpretation of what's going on. Now, we said originally the elves were here to take advantage of things. Yeah, they're trying to accumulate uh, all kinds of power through various technologies or um, political means. Like, I don't think the slab of malediction from the dwarves was, uh, if it was a magic item, it was mostly something that was designed to for declarations of war or something. Yeah, we definitely said it wasn't necessarily magical in itself but it contained knowledge that has been lost to the dwarves so the elves are gathering information political and technological power well what if what if this in this one case is not well see it said evil elf i you know what i think we should drop the evil on this elf maybe this elf is actually working against the other elves needs because what we know we have is we have the other elf that we know is bad, he's going to show up. Right. So this is so actually we, a different group of elves. We, which yes. We're, yes. We're thinking, we're thinking, oh shit, it's elves. And in fact, it turns out that these are not the same elves. We've judged the elves by the actions of others. Right. We Every time, every time we've seen elves, they've been working for their mm. own ends. And they don't care who dies along the way. Right. I think my first character died because of them. So this okay. elf is actually here to avert a disaster. And the aquatic ogres are actually the ones who caused the water to, to fall. They did something. Did they know what? Was it something intentional or unintentional? That, I'm not sure. But I okay. think what we're going to end up seeing is the elf was trying to figure out what was going on. The ogre took it as offensive in some way. Mm-hmm. And... We're going to see them in battle, assume that the elf is the bad one here, and that's the misinterpretation that the elves were here to take advantage of it, when actually he was here to like, hey, uh, I see something went bad, can I help? Mm -hmm. And they were flipping out, because they're freaking out anyway, and it it was the other, the evil elves that killed these other priests, but that's because they're waiting for their moment. They don't engage in diplomacy, they take... So they're waiting for this other faction. And seeing another elf that's not working for their interests was like, hey, uh, we should figure out what's going on there. Okay. I think we'll I think we'll ditch the, the careful medical study bit. Well, I mean, it's, yeah, it's a fantasy medical study. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I just mean, I don't think, I don't think it's important to the misunderstanding bit. Okay. Unless, unless we want to say that, like, There's if we end up knocking this, this elf out, we find some identifying feature. Oh yeah, there we go. They are they are some sort of society, and okay. they can reveal themselves to each other. And when we knock this elf out, we'll see what's going on there. We'll see okay. something, yeah. and that's oh, there we go. That's what Casido is. That what it is? Yeah, the, yeah. Uh, that's what that's priest. what Casido's haunted spirit was telling him. Like he said, it was this was an important thing because he knew mm-hmm. this place, but he recognize the symbol so it, it it's why we end up all helping each other against okay. this other faction who is their representative is this other elf that we've already run into okay boom a lot of pieces i think we're making it work all right okay i do like the idea of the aquatic ogres having accidentally caused this and freaking out about it yeah i can see that i mean they've they've been tampering they've been they've been exploring in their underground 
realm, and someone somewhere along the line triggered. Something. They found they found some purge, some or, lever somewhere, or maybe they think they caused it. Uh, at the, at the very oh, least. Like, yeah. Whether they actually caused it or not is maybe that's why the the evil faction wasn't. They, that's why they hadn't moved yet. They were they were playing around trying to figure out what's going on, and they caused it. Made the aquatic ogres think they did it. Stepped away to let them kind of kill each other off, or other people kill them, so they could sweep in and take it over. Okay. Yeah. yeah. There we go. That sounds like elven elven diplomacy for you. We messed up your lands, but it's your fault. You guys fight about it for a bit. All right. And so you are bringing Edric the Bard's wife. To yes. This. Why don't you the, tell us her name? Yes, this is Healthily, the the bandit nymph queen. And she somehow made time to leave. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what was she doing? She was kind of ruling over the... Uh, well, she yeah, wasn't, I mean, no, sorry, she's a she bandit queen. She wasn't the queen. ruler. She was a bandit queen. She yeah, was like so, a, a so Robin it's not Hood like type. she has to stick around, but she had been keeping this bandit group here, and maybe Edric was trying to convince her to leave because he didn't want to be stuck in one place. Yeah. And then when he didn't return... You were saying that she was like, well, I got to go find him because this is ridiculous. Oh, and no, she he's... knows that he's always around areas of danger or tumult. So she's basically visiting the most messed up parts, to, figuring that he'll probably be drawn to, like a moth to a flame. Yes. And you had said that the the ring that he lost actually had a hidden magical tracker in it. And so when that stopped, that's when she became concerned and set out for him. Yeah. Basically like she just, knew uh, he wasn't dead was because that chain, the the signal was different. Yeah, yeah. She right. just knows suddenly they're disconnected. And I have rolled up a female human rogue. Okay. Named Belor. 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 Not a very old one. Okay. Fifteen year old human. That's six feet. No, it's five feet. Five foot mm-hmm. eight. So average. Right. Not much in the way of physicality. Not much in the way. Lots of charisma, but that's about it. Okay. Hmm. Interesting. Healthily is probably looking for people who know about trouble spots. Well, and it would make sense that she would be, would be drawn to a rogue. Mm-hmm. Like, th- those are her kind I mean, of people. Yeah, for sure, she'd, yeah. She'd, com- she'd be able to make those connections real easy. I don't know where she found her. I'll have to think about that, how they kind of came to be. And yeah, Well, I mean, I figure they've been traveling together for a little while now. Right. It's just where did they pick up? Do they visit one of our old quest places and find this person here? But with that finished, I think that's everything for this episode. Anything else I'm missing? I mean, there's really infinite stuff we could talk about when it comes to world creating, so I guess we'll just leave it there for now yeah so i think in the grand tradition of things we done we done what they don't tell other parents about doesn't hurt anyone this is a parenting podcast oh my god i'm being responsible